I think we are at the precipice of the next major industry. And those that are getting in now will be the ones that ultimately get financially rewarded well into the future. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. All right, guys, this week we are back with my good friend and finance expert, Nicole Lappin, to talk about something that's been just about everywhere lately. Cryptocurrency. It's the buzzword of the moment, along with digital cash, NFTs, Bitcoin, and so much more. And today we're breaking it all down for you. Fun fact also, in 2018, I hosted a cryptocurrency summit and 20,000 women showed up. At the time, only 4% of women were investors in crypto, and I wanted to change that ratio. So I'm stoked for all of you, men or women, to listen in and hear from Nicole and I about all of the things you need to feel more confident in your crypto knowledge and maybe even feel inspired to invest by the end of the episode. And I have to say this, but Nicole and I always ask that you seek professional advice from a financial advisor if you do have questions about what type of investing is right for you. So let's get into it, shall we? Welcome back, Nicole. Hello, my dear. Thank you. I love it here. I'm moving in. You can just be my like my best friend next door neighbor that always talks to me about money. <laughs> can I be your sidekick when I grow up? <laughs> exactly. You can be all the things. Okay. Are you ready to talk about crypto? This is so hot right now. I think together we're gonna know the things, but I think we're gonna you're gonna have to teach me some stuff and then I'll hopefully teach you some stuff because I didn't host a crypto event for women back in the day. And I think if people are being really honest with themselves, like any so-called expert on this does not know everything because <laughs> this whole language is still being written. Like we just had NFTs come out of nowhere and meme stocks and stonks and all of this alphabet soup stuff. So if somebody tells you they know all the things about crypto, like go the other way and yeah, listen to us because exactly. we're honest. <laughs> we are honest. And you're right. Like everyone's figuring this out right now. So the whole point of this is that we're all learning together and we're going to take you through the basics all the way up to like some of the more advanced stuff that's happening in the world right now and like where you should participate in this or not. So let's start with this. Nicole, when did you first start hearing about cryptocurrency? And can you tell us about what it is from your point of view? So I first heard about crypto maybe five or so years ago, and I heard it being described as something on the blockchain. And so my next question is, what the heck is the blockchain? And so what I've been able to wrap my head around and try to explain to other people is that it's like a digital safety deposit box at the bank where there's a lot of little deposit boxes. And instead of having a key to go, go and open one, you have like a long bunch of numbers to go and do that. And so I found out that the blockchain 
doesn't only have to do with cryptocurrencies, but that's where cryptocurrencies live. And then the blockchain is just this type of technology that can be used for a bunch of different stuff because a bunch of different industries use the blockchain. It's kind of like, you know, the blocks would be individual transactions or records and they're strung together on this long ass chain. So it's like, you know, the computing power to make sure all the blocks are legit to add to the chain makes me think that we're playing the world's longest game of Jenga ever. <laughs> I sort of think of it like DNA. I don't know why. I maybe because yeah. the letters and the length of a DNA strand, but it's um it's yeah, I I like where you're going with this. So it's like the blockchain is like a one big accounting book, like a ledger is what it's called. Remember back in the day when you used to have mm. to do manual bookkeeping and if anyone is listening right now and you still do manual bookkeeping, God bless you, but there are digital tools to help you. <laughs> but you used and to have to write down everything in your accounting book and do all your accounting and keep ledgers of every invoice in and everything that goes out and all of that stuff, right? So what Nicole's saying is now that book is stored in a little safety deposit box that you have a code to. It's just a really long code of numbers and and that ensures that it's really, really super private and secret and no one can hack into it. Is that right? Yep, it is. And it can't be changed. And these digital currencies that live on this blockchain are like Bitcoin, but Bitcoin isn't the only currency on there. So fiat currencies would be the opposite of digital currencies, right? So fiat currency is just a fancy word for like the dollar or the yen or any sort of traditional currency we have around the world. So Bitcoin would be like a dollar and Ethereum would be like a yen in sort of this analogy. So there are different kinds of currencies in the cryptocurrency space, not just Bitcoin, uh, even though that's the one everybody knows of. Okay. And tell me about Satoshi. Can you tell me about who that is? Satoshi. Where is Satoshi? Why don't you tell me about Satoshi? Because I feel like you're going to know more about that Yeah. Origin okay, so story. here's what I know about Satoshi. So Satoshi is the creator of crypto and the blockchain and, and all of this stuff, right? And it started in 2009, I want to say. And Satoshi is kind of this mysterious figure. He reminds me of Banksy. Yes. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Or like Carmen Sandiego. Yeah. It's like, who is Satoshi? No one knows who it is. Aren't there a lot? There's some guesses about who it is. Um, I don't think it's Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or anybody like that. Who knows? Maybe it is. I don't think so. So Satoshi was the one who thought all of this up and was like, there should be a decentralized way outside of our modern day banks and government run everything to like make payments and to um, make sure that you have your currency stored in a really safe place, almost like people used to store gold in a safe place, right? Um, because money has inflation and all of these happening to them and banks, and then you have interest on the bank account and blah, 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 blah. And like, that's, you know, let's just decentralize it. I think that's the theme of what's beginning to become known as Web3, which a yeah. lot of people in Silicon Valley are talking about right now, which is, you know, everything's so centralized. Even our social networks are all centralized. Our banks are centralized. Like everything is owned by these giant corporations. And you know what? Millennials just aren't effing having that. We want to own our own stuff be in charge of our own stuff. And so Satoshi was the one who first did this for currency, which is now called crypto. And Bitcoin just happened to be 
to what you said, Nicole, like the first type of currency, like the dollar versus the yen, that became really popularized. And oh my gosh, has it grown? I mean, back in, I think I heard about it first in 2012, and it was $9 for one Bitcoin. I just looked it up today. It's $53,520 a share. And that's down from 60-something thousand last week. It's very volatile. But can you imagine a lot having more than bought $9. like $100 worth of, <laughs> you, know, you bought 10 Bitcoin in um, 2012 for $90. Today, that would be worth $500,000. So just think about that as a multiple. Because <laughs> that's a good one. It was like when I first started covering business news, and I have a story of me covering the first iPod that Apple made or like Gmail when it was first like, oh, you're never going to have to delete a single email again. And I didn't buy any of these things. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, even in 2018, when I hosted this crypto event, and by the way, these different people went that couldn't afford to be spending too much. But I was like, it was $6,000 for a Bitcoin. And I just told every woman there to buy whatever you could. You don't have to buy a full a full Bitcoin. You can buy a fraction of it. You could buy $10 worth. You can buy $100 worth. So like buy whatever makes sense for you at the time. And many people did, by the way, at the $6,000 price point. I just saw my old nanny the other day and she said, Britt, oh my God, I I spent $600. I did what you told me to. And I bought like a 10th of a Bitcoin. But like that's now 10X. Like that's worth $6,000 now wow. because of the way that Bitcoin has grown. So you guys, this is real. <laughs> like people are actually yep. making money doing this and it's real money and they're cashing out and they're like millionaires and I mean sometimes billionaires because of this new currency. So anyways, I we've hyped it enough, I think. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's huge. It is. And I'll tell you a story about my dating life to illustrate this. A Great. Little bit. I always love stories about your dating life. So I went on a date with a crypto king, which is the story. Wait. Um, does he have that on his resume? Was it on no. his Bumble profile? <laughs> <laughs> it was not, um, but it should be. That would yeah. be kind of douchey to have that on your Bumble profile, I think. <laughs> True story. I've seen douchier things on a Bumble profile, though. <laughs> so if you're, like, running a whole crypto company, you know, it's it's a good thing to – you know, let the person that you're going on a date with know, except for back in the day, I didn't think that that was going to be anything different until we went on a date. And I tell you this story because it illustrates the security of cryptocurrency, which we should okay. talk about, like how to buy it, where to put it, how to store oh, it, yeah. all the safety stuff. And it really hit home from this date because I went to the bathroom, as one does, to powder my nose or whatever. I walk by the bar, and these guys come over to where we're sitting as I'm going. And I'm thinking, like, oh, New York, small town, whatever. Maybe he knows them. Maybe they're his friends. So they go over there. And then as I'm getting back to the table, they go back to the bar. And I'm like, oh, cool. Are those your friends? Should I say hi? And he's like, so here's the deal. So I have these bodyguards. <laughs> What? They came over because I was wearing a company pin that identifies me. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a joke. Is that is that real life? 
I have to, um, I have to have these bodyguards with me at all times because somebody could kidnap me, put a gun to my head, and take all of the crypto that I know the passwords to. And that was the moment where I was like, holy shit, this is A, serious, also like fascinating, and also like really scary that somebody could steal millions, if not billions, from a dude if they came after him and threatened him and then he could never get it back ever. That's the point of this security with crypto is that like once if somebody takes it, it is gone forever. Like you can't call up Bank of America mm-hmm. and be there's like, no hey. support service line. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. There's, there's no chargebacks. You can't call Amex and be like, or there's no fraud protection. All of these things. It's like, you know, Wild West in crypto land. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. And maybe we can go into that. Like, how do you buy it? How do you store it? Where do you even go? So what is your take on how to begin if someone that is listening wants to make their first crypto investment? So I would say step one is go to Coinbase, open up and download the app. Yeah. Download or go to the website. Yeah. Coinbase. They just went public. So, I mean, you could have a lot of trust that Coinbase is legit. This is a company that has been around for almost 10 years, I think. They just went public. I know the people that run this company. They're good people. They're not going to steal all your money. So you can download the app. It feels like that's a that's a good safe step number one. Okay, keep going. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. And then you need a wallet. Like you would a have a digital wallet. A digital yeah. wallet. Like you would have yeah. a normal wallet that stores stuff. But it's more secure than if you're just walking around with a normal wallet. It keeps your crypto safe from people who will put guns at your date's heads and try to steal passwords of. (laughs) So get a wallet to keep it safe. But there are a lot of different kinds of wallets. Yeah. And it's free to do that. Yep. And then go shopping. Yeah. So you have to pick which type of currency you want to buy, right? Yep. So like Bitcoin, we talked about Litecoin, Ethereum, Ripple, all the things. Yeah. Doggy coin. And basically, <laughs> I call it Dogecoin. Nicole calls it doggy coin. The jury's out. <laughs> but doggy coin honestly sounds more fun. So I'd be happy yeah. with with moving forward with that pronunciation. Um, I think a really a safe bet. Say they're all kind of safe bets. I mean, they're they've these currencies have been around for many years now. Millions of people have purchased them. And when I say purchase, it's like I said before, like if you were going to buy a fraction of a public stock or you know anything, it's like, okay, how much do you want to spend? I want to spend $100. Okay, great. $100 will buy you like 0.001% of Bitcoin right now, but that's fine because, you know, to be honest, I think the outlook of Bitcoin is still very bright. So currently the market cap of Bitcoin, meaning like, you know, how much is it valued at globally is about $1 trillion. But there are many experts out there who believe that Bitcoin might soon become worth the price of gold, which is around $11 trillion. So if you can imagine, it could still 10x from here and still be like slightly underneath the price of gold. Um, Because effectively, like I said, people are really wanting to put their money in a really safe place. There are more and more technologies that are making it easier to do this and to keep it really secure. And you can still cash out and sell it and exchange it for dollars when you want to. 
But um, this is a trend that's really starting to happen. Even like Square is, I think, starting to accept crypto um, as a form of payment. So as it becomes a bigger and bigger industry trend, that market cap, that valuation of, of um, Bitcoin from $1 trillion to $10 trillion is definitely plausible. So if you have $100, you could theoretically go to Coinbase, get a wallet, buy $100 of Bitcoin or Ethereum or one of the currencies, and sort of sit on it and see where it goes. What else would you do, Nicole, to ensure it's secure? Yeah, well, I would also say I'm glad you brought up gold, too, because as an investor, a lot of folks are looking, well, first, we've looked at gold as a hedge to the dollar, right? Or a hedge to inflation because gold is always going to be there. Um, and so if you look at cryptocurrency in opposition to fiat currency or traditional currency, then that is almost like the same thing. It's kind of like a hedge to whatever happens to the U.S. dollar. And so now crypto is being seen as this safe haven investment. And I would suggest, if possible, try not to go crazy on the crypto, though. Um, no more than 1% of your net worth. And by the way, you don't have to be have a lot of money to have a net worth. Everybody can calculate their net worth. It's their assets minus their liabilities. And try not to put more than 1% of that into crypto because you can afford to lose 1%, right? But you also can't afford not to be in on a gain if that 1% turns into more valuable than 100%. Yeah. What about this? If someone has 1% to spend, should they put that into crypto or into the stock market? Ooh, well, ideally, you'll already be in the stock market. So <laughs> I would say the stock market first and then some crypto as something that you're down to lose. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so something that you're down to lose. And when you think about the currencies that you could buy in the crypto world, are there some that are better than others, in your opinion? Besides Dogecoin? Is <laughs> Why is Dogecoin or Dogecoin <laughs> so fascinating? Can you tell us about this? So Dogecoin um, is really interesting to me because it started as a joke, right? And maybe even this whole thing started as a joke that's turned into something really serious. And so when Dogecoin started, it was $0.0003. That is less than three ten thousandths of $1. And so in the last episode, we talked about basis points and what that means. That's not even like one basis point, which would be 0 0.01. It is super duper small. Now it's 26 cents. So you might be thinking like, 26 cents, I can afford to lose 26 cents, or I could buy more than just one doggy coin. But look at that growth. I mean, it went from basically nothing. I can't even wrap my head around three ten 
thousandths of $1, but that's up 1,600%. So that's up 1,600% from where it started, which is a hell of a lot. That doesn't happen in the stock market. No. So if I put in $1,000 at 0.0003 cents, I'd be like, out of here, you guys. I just go buy an island and take my kids and actually that would probably be boring. Yeah. I think I would get bored if I lived on a private island, to be honest. I thought about this before. <laughs> but same. You know, I would go somewhere so that no one tried to kill me for my for my doggy coin, which I just Googled and it is pronounced Dogecoin for anyone out there. <laughs> but but Nicole and I oh, will cool, forever call it doggy coin. And actually Snoop Dogg is a prominent influencer that promotes this. So, you know, you could just also think about it as dog coin, Snoop Dogg coin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it's made after some of our favorite things on the internet. It started from a meme and doggy pictures. Like, I think what happened that? was like it started as a joke and Elon Musk tweeted something yeah. about it. And he was like, I am definitely investing in Dogecoin. And it literally took off from there. One tweet from Elon Musk and it was gone. And I think it's also crazy how all these new types of coins, like currencies, are starting to pop up. I got pitched the other day. Literally, someone asked me if I wanted to finally create Britcoin. (laughs) And I was like, maybe? So ladies and gentlemen listening, I mean, if you want to uh, DM me on Instagram at Brit, if you would like to buy Britcoin, and if I get more than 25 DMs, I will make this a thing. So there you go. That is your incentive <laughs> to make Britcoin the new Bitcoin. That's going to be the slogan. It's like a campaign slogan. <laughs> <laughs> make Britcoin the new Bitcoin. I think this is catchy. Okay, I like this. Um, okay, let's move on from this. I think everyone has some idea of crypto and what's going on in that world right now. Um, What about NFTs? This has been really popular literally just since the beginning of this year, I think, is when all the hype started. So if you were like um, not in on the beginning of crypto, maybe this is a good opportunity to get on in on the next wave, which is called NFTs. It's a little bit different, but it's leveraging some of the same technology. Nicole, can you clue us into this? It is. So first things first, NFT stands for non-fungible token. And I know that doesn't help. So I'll break that down. Non-fungible more or less means that it's unique. Uh, It can't be replaced with something else. So that's in contrast to fungible, which would be something you could trade for something else and then get the exact same value. So Bitcoins are fungible. Ethereum is fungible. Dollars are fungible. If I gave you, Brit, 10 bucks and you gave me 10 bucks back, we would have the same thing. But if I gave you a signed Britney Spears poster and you gave me a signed Babe Ruth baseball card, like we're not going to oh. have the same thing because those things Obviously, are Obviously, mine non-fungible. is more valuable. <laughs> and so the token part has to do with the digital nature, of course. So it lives on the blockchain and... The blockchain we talked about is a type of technology that that powers cryptocurrency. So right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Ethereum, NFTs are only part of the Ethereum blockchain. Correct. Yeah. So you need mm-hmm. to buy Ethereum to participate in the NFT world. Um, yes. We'll I explain think other- this in a second. Keep following us. Keep following us. Don't let go now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, so if you get Ethereum, you can buy NFTs. And I know you've probably seen all of these headlines where like a 50 second video of Grimes was sold for 400 grand or like the 60 second video from Beeple was like 6.6 million and all of these things were sold. So think of this as digital art collecting. It also helps creators because every time they're then resold, the creator gets a cut. But I have started thinking about this, tell me if you like this analogy, that it's kind of like if you buy a plaque on a bench at a museum. Like nobody really knows that it's there, but you know it's there and you have a certificate to prove it Mm. and all the things. So you get bragging rights, you can post about it, you get your blockchain entry to show for. But you can actually use it too. So, you know, Nicole was saying NFTs right now are largely kind of like digital art or memorabilia, like the NBA has created, you know, trading cards that are digital of Michael Jordan and all these things. And you can be the owner of the Michael Jordan 1989 digital trading card. And and so, yes, you can brag about that to your friends on Twitter, but you also own that now. So if you wanted to repurpose that in some way digitally, you know, if you want to put up a digital art gallery in your house of all of your NFTs, if you want to turn that into a another type of art, you own that asset and you can take it anywhere. You are the owner. If you went to an auction at a museum and you bought the art, you now have that art in your house. It's the same thing here. And you can repurpose it if you want to, or you can resell it for a better price if you want to as well. Again, just like you would with art. Yeah. It gets a little weird though, because you can copy it. Like I could get that Beeple thing, or I could find a copy of an NFT, like I could take a screenshot. So I think of it like a replica of art, right? There's a lot of replicas of Monet paintings, but there's only one original Monet. Yes, for for sure. I love that analogy. I think that's a great way to, to prove it. And I think this is becoming... I like to use the analogy that we're in the like 2007 iPhone era of NFTs. And what I mean by that is when, you know, the app store first launched and the coolest apps you could download were the fart app, the lighter app, <laughs> they're just stupid kind of, and you don't understand why anyone would actually want to use this. But but for some reason, millions of people are downloading the fart app because it's just dumb and funny and it gets their friends attention. That's kind of the era we're at with NFTs right now. Like the art that's being created and the rationality of how much people are spending on things is really out of whack. Well, I will say that I did an episode uh, for Many Rehab on NFTs, and I was going to post an NFT as a joke. But then this became more of a thing. So as you know me, I try not to half-ass things. I put my entire ass into Might as well. The great ass. I Thank you. Um, (laughs) You know, I then created this collection of stuff. I have no idea what's going to happen with our collection, NFT collection, but it's happening. So the show has, I don't even know, like some old logos and some audio stuff. And I'm doing this right now because guess what? I run a media company that has 100,000 or more pieces of artwork, photography, content, illustrations, videos. And I was like, whoa, I should yes. just pick like the top 100 that I think are interesting pieces of art 
and sell them as NFTs. My friend actually did this. He designed some art virtually, like in Adobe Photoshop or Illustrator, right? He like made, I think, a couple of GIFs and a couple like JPEGs, uploaded them. Within a weekend, he made $7,000. It's insane. It's $7,000 he didn't have. And he was like, I don't know why people bought it, but they did. And this is just the weird economy of the NFT world right now. And, you know, I also think it's really helpful to learn how this all works by just participating in it. And I, my best advice I've been giving people is just to either like go and buy an NFT, hopefully not like $7,000 worth, but like, I don't know, a $20 NFT. And also maybe try uploading an NFT. You, you can be the creator of one. And, and like get your wallet connected so that you can pay for stuff. You, again, you can trans, you can use your Coinbase wallet that we just talked to you about. If you have a little bit of Ethereum in it, then you can be buying NFTs and selling them using Ethereum. And just like practice this because again, I think we are at the precipice of the next major industry. And those that are getting in now and understanding how this works will be the ones that ultimately probably get financially rewarded well into the future. I totally agree. And it's like when we were little, if we had a class about stocks, like, and we chose fake stocks, but ideally you would just put a little money. I mean, you could put in 26 cents for some, I'm still going with doggy coin. It's like GIF or GIF. I don't know. I'm going with it because it makes me happy. But I think a bigger lesson of this about investing is exactly what you said. It's how much someone will pay for it. So Anything is ultimately just worth how much someone will pay for it. So you think your house could be worth a million dollars, but it's not going to get you a million dollars until somebody actually pays for that or like a valuation of a company. I mean, so if somebody wants to pay for something like great until then. I think don't mourn paper losses. Look at this like the stock market. It's like a roller coaster. You don't get off in the middle unless you really want to get after your day trading self. Like just put your <laughs> blinders on, put a little bit of money that you can afford to lose. And who knows? Like you can actually gain a lot of money. I know. But don't go You're go the- in with low expectations. That's like one of the few truisms of investing. Well, buy low, sell high, except if you're shorting which is the off-visit, and it's better to beat low expectations. Yeah, and I think I would only add to that that be okay with volatility. Like, this is a whole new thing. Um, My husband freaks out a lot because he's, like, following the Bitcoin market every day. So one day it's at, like, $60,000 for Bitcoin. The next day it crashes to, like, 50. And the next day it's up to, like, whatever. And it's back down. And it's, like, the volatility. It's not, like, 1% like the stock market is. It's, like, 10% or 15%, which is huge in the swing of things, especially if you have a lot of value created (laughs) over time, like all these women who hopefully bought Bitcoin in 2018. So don't sell. I don't think you should sell. You can sell when you want to sell, okay? But don't freak out when like there are these massive swings every other day. I try not to look at it. I look at it like once a week just to see where the trend line is going. But I'm like really long on all this crypto stuff. Again, I really think that I'm gonna we're gonna see like a 2x in the next year or two which is a great return for anybody putting in $100 today. 
Totally. Put your blinders on. And I don't know what price Dave bought into it at, but like if it wasn't 50,000 and it went from 60 to 50, like he did not lose 10,000. He actually gained in the bigger scheme of things. And it's easy to get emotional and like, I lost this amount of money, but did you really? Or like, was it on paper? And so that's another reason to just not get emotional about it, put it in, set it and forget it like a lot of things in the financial world. Totally. Just don't touch it. Um, (laughs) So what about this trend of meme stocks? So I think a lot of people have maybe seen headlines about GameStop and all of these brands that were from the 90s that all of a sudden had this massive stock (laughs) craziness. Can you tell us about this and decode this world for us? Totally. I think it was probably the biggest financial news this year so far. I mean, if you're measuring newsworthiness by memes, then definitely. It was where an online flash mob essentially came out of nowhere and changed the financial game. So stonks would be like meme stocks around this world. What does stonks stand for? I need to know this. Stonks, but stock, is that a combined word? Okay, it's a stock. It's stinky stocks is stonks. Okay, got it. Thank you. I'm not sure if it's stinky, but I think of it that way. It's our new version of it, just like doggy coin. We can reclaim (laughs) the feminine view of this crypto world. (laughs) Perfect. So just like I said, when we buy a stock outright, the truism is buy low, sell high. The problem is you don't know where the high is. You don't know where the low is. But when you're shorting a stock, so essentially the folks on Reddit who were following this saw that a bunch of hedge funds bet that GameStop, because like who's buying a video game right now when you can just download it, is going to go down. So they bet that it's going to go down. And then a bunch of folks online basically bought it up. So it screwed these hedge fund dudes. So they lost at their own game. Because when you're shorting, you are hoping the opposite is going to happen. You know, you're buying high and you're selling low, which sounds wrong. But if you can wrap your head around the idea that you're hoping it's going to go in the pooper, you're betting that it's going to go down, and you're not actually buying a stock, you're borrowing it. So if you think of this as like, I'm borrowing your car. So I come over to your house and like, Britt, I'm going to give you your car back in one year. So as soon as I pull out of the driveway, I post your car on Craigslist. Just totally. That's exactly where I would sell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) let's say I sell it on Craigslist. And for easy math, let's say I sell it for uh, $10,000. And then I wait a year thinking the car is going to go down in price. So I buy that same exact car back at $8,000 and I pocket the difference. Now, here's where you get screwed in this situation, because when you're buying a stock outright, like you're going long, which is the opposite of short, short is not the opposite of tall in the finance world, it's the opposite of long, then you can only lose 100%, which totally sucks. But if you're on the flip side of that, you can lose an exponential amount. So let's say in this car example, like Britney Spears was photographed in the car. Bring it back to Britney. Always bring it back to Britney. It's great. She's my number one. It's fine. Totally. Um, And it gets up to $100,000 because people obviously, like you and I, love them some Britney. So then I'm totally screwed because then I have to give you your car back. You're like, yo, hello, it's one year and the car is now selling for $100,000, but I need to go buy that. So I have just lost 
$90,000. And that's essentially what happened with GameStop. The hedge fund guys bet that the value of GameStop was going to go down. And then this band of people on a Reddit thread called Wall Street Bets drove up the stock. And then when the brokers who lent them the GameStop stock needed to get it back, they were like, oh my God, they were shit out of luck because the price was so high that they got screwed. Oh my gosh. And this is happening with a lot of stocks, not just GameStop, right? This is like a thing. It's like a F the man kind of mentality. Like I was talking about earlier, even with crypto, it's like, screw the banks. We're going to make crypto. Screw, you know, all of these big centralized companies. We're going to do the blockchain and decentralize everything. And now screw the hedge funds. We're going (laughs) to literally make them pay by gathering a virtual audience of people I don't know across the world to play a prank on the biggest hedge funds in the world. And I'm here for that game. I mean, you can't have it always. Like, you can democratize the financial world and be stoked about it, but not only if you're winning. So a lot of people ask me if what the Redditors did, I think, is bad. And I say hell to the no. You know, investors can do whatever they want. That's the whole point of a free market. The market can't just be free when it works for you or hedge fund guys, and it's restricted when it works for everyone else. So they're just sore losers and they lost at their own game. (laughs) Are there memes that we should be buying into right now? And also, how do you protect yourself against losing money? Because Is GameStop going to go back down and these people put in at like a high price so they're going to lose too? Honestly, Britt, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I wrote Rich Bitch and wrote a financial dictionary in the back of Rich Bitch. And I have short in there. I have long in there because these are words in the financial world and jargon that you have heard for years and years. I did not have NFT in the dictionary. I did not have SPAC, which is a whole other thing in the mm. dictionary. Or we'll do our stonks. next episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> or and, like, and I didn't have any of that. So this language is being written right now. This idea of a meme stock, like who would have thunk? But that's real life. And so, you know, the great thing about learning the language of money early is that the language keeps evolving. I mean, I'm learning it too. And I think I know a lot about money stuff, but I'm still learning. You're still learning. Okay. I just Googled this. GameStop shares are still up nearly 800% on the year. So um, yeah, that one's still rolling through. And then AMC, the movie theater, had a moment with meme stocks. (laughs) Totally. I interviewed a guy who made like 2 million bucks um, as a Redditor on it. And he was just telling me how much anxiety he had every single day looking at it. And he still is like mourning this idea that we talked about these paper losses that he didn't get out at the super, super high. Like, how are you going to know any of that going in? I mean, I think he made more money than he's ever made ever and more than his salary in this. And he got out at the right time. He got lucky. But this stuff is super, super volatile and not for beginners. Yeah, for sure. I mean, literally, I'm looking at the stats right now. GameStop stock cost, like, let's say 15 to $20, basically all of 2020. It went up to the high of $347 on January 27th, 2021. And sent, then it crashed down back to $50. So people probably lost some money in that fall. And then it built back up 
to a high of 265 and it's been hovering around 150 to 160 ever since then. So it's still up eight to 10 X what it was originally. So if you literally bought at the beginning of this craze, you are doing really good, but it's had so many dips and highs and lows and rounds and rounds. And so it's, it's kind of like Bitcoin. It's just very volatile, which to Nicole's point, tread with caution. You know, I think it's really good to understand this stuff and play around in it. And in like the version one of the iPhone by version three or four, things might start to stabilize in this new financial world. But for right now, it's just going to be a little bit messy and sloppy. Totally. And the difference between shorting and buying stocks, we said before, is that when you buy a stock, your losses are capped, but your wins are unlimited. Shorting a stock, your losses are unlimited. So this is like seriously risky. So shorting is way riskier than buying. This is not for beginners. If you're a beginner, just index funds and chill. Index funds and chill. And if, I need you're, a if you're curious like about shorting, uh, watch The Big Short. I really liked that movie. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was really good. Who doesn't like Margot Robbie in a bathtub? I mean, I'm a straight Maybe. woman and I do. Margot Robbie is just so hot. So anyways, um, Nicole, what homework would you prescribe for everyone this week? I feel like we've listed a lot of things, but what, what, what would you say is the number one thing they can do for themselves right now? I think just open a Coinbase account and put a little bit of money in there and play around and just figure that that's a hobby, like playtime money. Don't put anything serious in there. And I think buy or list an NFT so you can understand how this works and then get ready for Bitcoin. Get ready for Bitcoin for sure. And where could they buy an NFT? Which sites would you direct them to? I like to use rarible.com, R-A-R-I-B-L-E. Do you have a favorite NFT site? Um, I am doing mine with Curio, C-U-R-I-O. The one that people are selling their tweets on is called valuables by cent as in c-e-n-t although there's no dollars and cents so that's like confusing because it's crypto uh there's open there's nifty gateway oh nifty um, gateway is popular too yeah yeah i hear about that one a lot cool yeah okay so open a coinbase account consider buying or uploading an nft and DM me, I'm at Brit on Instagram, if you're interested in being one of the first owners of Britcoin, because our mission is to now make Britcoin better than Bitcoin. So start chanting that. We'll we'll print the t-shirts. Nicole, thank you for repping us. I know you will. Well, it's <laughs> and definitely I'll buy some Nicole be, coin too. <laughs> hell yeah. It's I mean, the Britcoin, can you imagine how well designed that's gonna be? Like it's bl- gonna blow everything. It's the pr- gonna be the prettiest coin in all the land. Okay, it's definitely going to be rainbow colored, multicolored, maybe some color blocking, maybe some patterns. Um, And I think it's like our chance to reclaim the feminine power of crypto. So I think the marketing for this is going to be all for, you know, the women participating in this ecosystem because the man, (laughs) no offense, men who are listening, because I know you're lovely, but like, it's just, it's crazy that like only 5% of women are participating. So we want to we want to reinvigorate the female crypto economy with Bitcoin. <laughs> Can you see Yay! me giving my speech right now? Okay, good. Brit for president. <laughs> Woo-hoo! 
All right, you guys. Well, I hope that was um, a little bit of a lesson for you. You probably learned some things. I learned some things. And um, I learned something. We will keep you posted because this is a very active moving industry. So, Nicole, thank you so much for coming back, for sharing your knowledge, for letting me talk about your ass. Where can we find you if we want to learn more, follow you, all of the things? All of the things um, are at Nicole Lappin, wherever social media is served. And now I have a daily, like, I should have talked to you about this. I don't know if maybe it was after you and I had drinks when you were in L.A. that I signed up for a daily money show uh, with oh. iHeart called Money Rehab with Nicole Lappin. So tune oh, in. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of rehab. Well, thank you for <laughs> thank you for giving us the therapy we that we it. need. <laughs> All right. Well, we will catch you guys next time. Nicole, thank you so much. And I am off to go shopping on Nifty Gateway right now. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Brit or follow us at Brit and Co. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Ali Ives and Ali Perry with additional production and sound design by Mark Lemmerjaycee and Aaron Peterson.